Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome back to episode number 72 of the Jersey Wall podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santos. With me as always, or as per freaking usual, I should say, <laughs> uh, Mina Gali, aka Brethren. How you doing, buddy? Doing great, man. How was your birthday? Happy birthday for those of you listening. Nathan turned 23 years old yesterday. Thank you. Thank you. Do you want to use this opportunity to, to provide me with a birthday song? Um, I don't think the listeners would really appreciate that. Um, is this not the platform for that? I don't think so. I think we want to retain listeners. We don't want to drive anyone away. So I'll keep the singing right for, a, for the shower. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Your voice is music to my ears. There you uh, go. And, uh, Absolutely boom. love it. So anyway, it was, a, it was a pretty nice day. It's obviously, you know, we're being very, at the Jersey Wall over here, we're being very responsible at all this stuff. So no parties, no major celebrations. But basically what we had to do was just have, uh, you know, good food celebrated with with the family and, and whoever could be here, which is just immediate family. Uh, so I had this burger yesterday, and you've been there with me before, I'm sure mm. of it. Top Gun Burger? Yeah. No, we haven't been there together, but we've been there separately. Right. Which is something we need to fix, Dude. by the way. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. And so, oh, buddy, so we go in there. Ready? Okay, so here's the, the mini birthday story here, okay? We go in, uh, we, we place the order online, we show up, they said, okay, you know, pick it up within 30 minutes or whatever. So we drive on over. It's about 20 minutes from my house. Yep. Go get it, get there, you know, hi, order number, whatever, here to pick up. They're like, oh, are you for skip? I'm like, no, <laughs> just online orders. Just, just coming me. in, get my food. They're like, uh, oh, where'd you place the order? I'm like, online. They're like, oh, yeah, unfortunately, our website has been down all day. So we what? haven't been receiving any of the orders. So um, would you like to place your order right now? And I'm like, really? Are you serious? Did you have to pay online? No, I didn't okay. pay online. But they were so. I mean, good, fair enough. But I so it's a whole. I'm like, are you kidding me? That so sucks. I go in. I have to then, you know, call up my mom, my dad, my sister to figure out what it is that they wanted to then place the order again and go sit in my car for another half an hour. Oh my god! Until the food's ready, That's the worst. and then drive back another twenty minutes. Now, flavor-wise, the burgers are fantastic. And Mina, for for those of you who don't know, Mina and I are huge foodies, right? We'll go, we'll try every place's chicken wings. If they claim to have the best chicken wings, best burgers, whatever it is, count us in. Uh, we're there for it. Absolutely. And Top Gun is really of the highest quality. But with, when you have this whole takeout stuff, it kind of, the, the experience was, was, yeah, you know, diminishes it. Yeah. It, it kind of yeah, takes you know? it out. And then it's got to sit in the bag for 20 minutes before you can eat it. It, it wasn't all the premium as well. quality. Right. Yeah. It, it wasn't what it once was mm. uh, when we were able to just go there and eat in there. But one person in there, dude, and I know I have sensible Jersey Wall listeners here, so everybody who's listening will will have will follow the protocols, right? If the store says you can't come in without a mask, that doesn't mean you can come in without a mask. It means you cannot <laughs> come in without a mask, right? So person behind me comes in, no mask. And it's weird to see people in public without masks. I know, right? Now, right? Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking at this guy and the, the cashier is kind of looking at this guy too, like, buddy, what are you doing? Right? Like, mm -hmm. did you forget it? So the, 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 the clerk there, whoever works there is like, uh, sorry, sir, you, we need, like, it seems weird right. now to tell people that they need to wear a mask. Like, sir, it's you like, can't be it's like going out with any pants on people looking yeah. really funny. And, and, and the dude goes, he, he says this, he's like, Oh no, I have an exemption. Interesting. Elaborate. Okay. Here's the thing. We are not at, it's not March anymore, right? It's been like a year that we've been dealing with this yeah. thing. Okay. If you were at a point 
still in this day where you have such a bad lung condition that you can't wear a mask. You should imagine what COVID is going to do to you guys. Yeah. You should not Shouldn't be leaving be your to. house to go get a burger. Okay. They're on skip the dishes, order one. Okay. If you can't wear a mask in public because of, because you can't breathe, got some news for you. COVID's really going to yeah. suck. And, and I mean, you get that. Listen, I know people have their qualms about whether it's it affects anything or if it prevents anything. That's not the topic for today, guys. The topic nope. is we know that it's it's legislation at this point. You kind of have to unless don't go out, <laughs> right? If you really have an exemption, right. it's definitely for a medical reason. I don't think you should be going out, man, to be honest. I'll, I'll give you that much for no, free. No, I don't think so either. Least of all for Top Gun Burger. Now, there are some burgers that are worth risking COVID for. Yeah. <laughs> and this is one of those burgers. The Holy barbecue burger at Jack Pastor's is one of those burgers. And if you've never tried it, you definitely have to try it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. But now you got a, a new present, didn't you, Nathan? I did. I did. I, did. I was present there. I was lucky enough to be one of the people, one of the actual gamers who, who was able to obtain a PS5. Now, I'm not one of those people who just got one for the sake of reselling it. I got it because I wanted to use it. Uh, and and boy, I have been playing FIFA <laughs> for one day now. And uh, and you know what? Let's get to FIFA a little bit later in the show because this, as much as I love talking about FIFA and the PS5 that I got, and to be honest, I kind of want to brag a little bit as well as talk about these awesome burgers. This isn't the Burger Wall podcast, guys. This isn't the gaming podcast. This is the Jersey Wall podcast. We're here to talk about soccer. And uh, it's been some time since we've actually spoken about current events in the world of soccer, right? Yeah. It seems like the last few episodes that we've done have been rebuild episodes they've been breakdown episodes they haven't been necessarily what what's actually going on yeah. uh in europe right now so and a lot can change in a number of weeks especially this year so we're going to dedicate this episode towards you know talking about what's actually going on and the biggest headline in the world right now is that frank lampard was sacked as the manager of chelsea yeah so that's pretty big news uh, i was actually just speaking to my roommate about it uh before we came on he's a chelsea fan and given Chelsea's history and, and Abramovich's, you know, history of, of being very trigger happy and really quick to shoot, he understands why it happened. And given that it's a results given results driven game, it's quite understandable and, and kind of predictable. But he didn't really quite agree with it. So what's what's your take on on the sacking? Yeah, well, if you remember a couple of weeks back when I had Joe on the show, um, we talked about a little bit about what Chelsea need is time, right? Yeah. That's like the biggest thing that they need right now. And maybe, you know, I'm sure Abramovich, you know, when he went out and spent over 200 mil on players, the ambition was to succeed right away. Now, the problem is when you get a lot of a lot of players, regardless of positional, you know, awareness or um, chemistry of the team, all that was thrown out the window. It was just who are the most talented guys we can go out and get right now. And that takes time. And, and it takes time for them to learn to play together and to adapt to each other's games. And I think it also takes time for not only a manager to gain the experience of a squad, but just to like learn what he's doing overall, right? right. So I, I kind of agree with your roommate and, and I'm sure most Chelsea fans, I don't think we're clamoring for Lampard to be sacked. I think if there was one guy who probably earned a little bit more respect and, and time, it was Lampard because most sensible, most sensible Chelsea, Chelsea fans will know. Yeah, and most sensible Chelsea fans will say, you know, we'll concede to this, which is, you know, the squad is not meant to succeed right now. These are very, very good, very young players who, if they start to click and when they start to click, 
they are going to be very, very good. Now, I've been on record saying Lampard's probably not the best manager in the world, right? We know that. There are probably other managers out there right now who could get more out of this squad than Lampard could right now. So I get it in that sense, right? I'm sure, you know, uh, Abramovich took that into into consideration and said, listen, I love Lampard more than anybody else. Maybe in five years we can bring him back when this squad is ready for him. But for now, can we really say that there's nobody on the planet who can get more out of this squad? I think the answer is no. I think there's probably somebody out there who can, and they've been linked to Thomas Tuchel, and I have my reservations about that. We can get to that in a minute. But I don't think the answer is just, is always fire the manager. You know, we, we talk about it all the time, yeah. and while you interject here, about the manager being the most interchangeable guy. But I don't think it's really the right move to a squad of young players who are learning to play together to disrupt the rhythm again by introducing a new manager. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of unfortunate because it is the name in the game. You you are the most disposable person in the team. And having just spent $250 million on like seven or eight players, they're not going to get rid of them, right? If you can't find a system to make these guys play together well, then you're, you're going to be out the door. And, you know... Chelsea fired Carlo Ancelotti when he won the Champions League and you know so it's it's not really or he won when he won the Premier League so it's not really unknown for, to them and but I kind of I'm a little, I have my reservations about the sacking and the timing of the sacking we talk about Chelsea like they they're doing terribly and they're having a disaster of a season they're 5 points off top four man we've seen that happen we've seen that happen a lot of times and clubs still be able to catch up their issue at the moment is the top four is is starting to take shape, uh, and teams like United, City, Leicester, and and Liverpool, um, or probably people's favorites for the top four at the end of the season. But it's not impossible. It's only five points away. I kind of would have given him until the end of the season, see what you can do, and then and then maybe change him because we all know that another manager could probably get better out of this team than than Lampard, but. You have to at least give the man the the opportunity, right? Like where he's going into um, a season where a lot has changed, not only in the team but in the world around him. There are no fans to push on the the new players to welcome the new players. When you play with a team that's completely new, the chemistry is kind of all over the place, and he's just trying to figure out the blend or the correct blend that he he is able to um, to get the best out of them. The problem with Lampard that I saw was his insistence on on not using the 4-2-3-1 and trying to change up right. the system. He insisted on playing people out of position in terms of the midfield, trying to fit, you know, the best best names on the team sheet, whereas that might not be the best thing for him. I think the best thing for him was to just get the best people in those positions and, and try to fit those together rather than, you know, the best names and put them on the pitch. Instead of playing three center mids in midfield, maybe you have to have a designated CDM and who better do that than Kante. So... I just think he didn't help himself, but I I don't think I would have been so hasty in terms of firing him at the moment. Yeah, like, you know, going back to, I think I over, I, I glanced over this a little bit too quickly, but again, like the Chelsea's, I, I agree with you, like their biggest issue here is is their squad chemistry. And to then disrupt the chemistry again by introducing a new manager has you know, it's a very risky approach because on the one hand, you could say, well, you know, this guy could be better at getting the most out of them. Maybe they'll play better together. Or it could be, well, now you've derailed the squad again by having now a new guy who's going to come take over the team again 
And then it's going to take them, you know, what, 18 months even before they start clicking, right? Like some managers come in with immediate effect and can get the most out of squads, right? Look at what Antonio Conte in one year, right? He won the Prem, which is insane. That's insane. With like 30 wins nonetheless, right? Like that's ridiculous. But he, he implemented his system first. And then the players that fit into it. And if they didn't, he, he got players that did. Lampard didn't have that luxury, right? Abramovich said, who are the players, who are the best players out there right now, right? And wh- like, what do we need slash who are the best players out there? And when you can go get uh, a player with, with Ballon d'Or potential, like Kai Havertz, you do it, right? You just, why not? Yeah. Let's go get him. You don't and, you know, know how Timo much Werner more expensive he would be insane. next season. Right. And Timo Werner, or if you'll even have the opportunity to sign, exactly. right? Timo Werner. Uh, scored a lot of goals in Germany, right? Let's get him. Got to get him too. Hakim Zayesh has been playing, quite frankly, in the Dutch leagues for far too long, man. This guy, we've seen him in the Champions League. He's a Champions League caliber player. He's a baller. He's got ridiculous, like his passing and his vision is is off the charts. Go get him too. And uh, we need to stabilize this back line. Let's go get Thiago Silva. That one worked, right? Mendy worked, but no one's knocking Chelsea for their defensive woes, right? Chilwell yep. worked. That's all fine. But it's the, you know, containing, not containing, but finding a way to unleash all these players for all of what they are without figuring out how to play them together is something that I don't think Lampard was able to handle, right? Because he just, he had what, like a year and a half of managerial experience and never coached players with anywhere near this good, uh, like, you know, this No preseason as well. I think we have to put that in there. Right, exactly. And so, you know, I, I can understand them bringing it in. And this is the segue what manager can probably get more out of this squad? And the answer that it looks like they're going to go through is, because it's really not what manager, it's what free agent manager can we go get? Right. Thomas Tuchel was sacked by PSG not long ago. It looks like, according to Fabrizio Romano, that it's going to be Tuchel who takes over Chelsea, which on paper makes really good sense, right? It's a, it's a German coach who plays a high-press, intricate system, and he has young pressing players and a couple of German talents who need a way to settle in on paper. It makes perfect sense. However, is this something that we are entirely ready to sign off on? I want to throw it to you first. Uh, like, tell me, what do you think about Tuchel being appointed as, as the manager? Do you think that's the, that's the smartest move? Not in terms of no Frank deserves more time, but is there another manager out there that maybe should have got the nod? I mean, you look at the managers that are out there. I mean, who is out there? Pochettino replaced Tuchel at PSG. Allegri's mm-hmm. still not in a job. I wonder why that is. Who's out there, right? Like Tuchel, People I think is the best that's Allegri. available. Yeah, and and for a team like Chelsea, he wouldn't he wouldn't that's be the true. right fit. I think Tuchel's the best of who who was out there and and who was up for grabs. Maybe maybe they could have won for Nagelsmann, but Nagelsmann is in the middle of a season and he's not available at the moment. I, and I agree with you. The thing is, I just don't think this is very Chelsea. Who's the most high-profile manager that's available right now? We'll get him, right? Yeah. Because, well, what does that do? Like, who's uh, Bayern's manager? Um, why is his Hansi name? Flick. Hansi Flick. Hansi Flick wasn't a head coach. They said, no, you're going to take over the squad. Oh, you did a very, very good job. The players are familiar with you. And now, we revere him as probably one of the best coaches in the world, right? Won the treble in his first season. Made Bayern this unstoppable machine. He wasn't a high-profile one, right? Same thing with, with Chelsea. I've done this before with... Um, with Gus Hiddink, with yep. uh, Claudio Ranieri. Di Matteo. Like, these are not, these were not high profile guys, but it's like, let's put them in and see what they can do with this squad. Ollie has been in charge of United for how many freaking years? 
And he was the caretaker manager too, right? Like it's a different I think there mentality, is something though. to be said, but you're right. But I think there's something to be said about a caretaker manager being appointed in the interim, mm-hmm. trying to, you know, acknowledge with the players, listen guys, like we're not going to play under this, this system of, of this massive head coach and, and trying to fit the system and blah, blah, blah. It's like, listen, we are all going to learn together and let's learn to play as a team. And when you do that, I think you enable the squad to to not have to worry so much and to actually just express themselves a little bit more. Right. There's less pressure. Now, Tuchel's going to come in as this high-profile big boy manager who has everything that I said why it would work on paper, right? He's German, and the players who Chelsea want to fit into this squad are German. Also speaks French, and a lot of the players that that play for Chelsea are French, or French-speaking at least. He's been coaching in in France for the last couple of years, right? And English, I'm sure yeah. he speaks English. So right? already, Certainly. he's able to to reach some of the players a lot better better than what Lampard was able to do. Right, but implementing his system from from scratch, right? Like midway, literally midway through the season, right? Chelsea have I think 19 games played, four points, four or five points off of top four. I think is a is a riskier move. Because it's like it's saying in January, we're going to hope that this guy takes us through now for for a number of years. Instead of saying, listen, guys, how do you guys play together with a caretaker manager? Mm-hmm. And then in the summer, which is when big business should happen, then you can if the, if, the, if it really hasn't worked with the with the caretaker manager, go get Tuchel. I'll actually right? I'll challenge you using something that you've told me before. And I want to see how you respond to this. Please do. Yeah. If you know that Lampard's not going to get you far enough, why don't you just get rid of him? Get some guy in who you know and you're going to trust with a project to kind of have the extra time, have the, you know, the extra six months that he's going to get from now till the, till the transfer window and give him the ability to be acquainted with the players and see who he wants to keep, who he wants to sell and, and kind of get his system going. And then you add to that the preseason and the transfer window. What about what do you think about that? Okay, so I agree with the premise of that. The issue I have with it is that Chelsea are far too trigger happy, which yeah. means when they're bringing him in, they're not bringing him in with this like, oh, no problem. You settle in, take your time, learn your players. We'll see where we are next season. They're bringing him in as a, You've got we are months. here right now. <laughs> you have, you, you got six months to be, you know, in the top three. And if you're not, you're not making it past the summer, right? Chelsea are so trigger happy that by doing this, they've put, way more pressure on Tuchel and every manager signs like a two, two, three year deal when they first get yeah. there. Right. So the length of the contract doesn't matter because Chelsea can fire him. They don't care anyway. I think in principle, I agree with that. If the mantra is a rebuild, but I think Chelsea, if they were invested in a rebuild would have kept Lampard because they were all mm-hmm. learning and growing together. Right. Lampard was figuring it out, but he was figuring out with his squad that he took the core of from Derby Right with Mount with Tomori, he sold Tomori. He said, "Okay, who's actually good enough to stay in the squad?" They got him all of the players that he needed to to make a squad that can contend. Right, so better keeper, better left back, better center back. You know, high profile striker, uh, center forward who's world class potential and one of the best passers in the world today. Right, they got him all these elements, and it's like, okay, figure it out, go, including the players that we already have. Yeah. And Frank Lampard couldn't do that right away. I don't think he's he's there yet in his managerial pride. And I don't think the squad is there yet, right? A lot of those players are very young. Thiago Silva isn't, but the rest of them, the front line specifically, they're young. They have to learn to adapt to the league. They have to learn to adapt to, to each other's playing styles uh, and all that. Meanwhile, now you bring in Tuchel. And what exactly is he going to do to compensate for that? Like, if we know, and, and Joe's been on here saying this, the answer of what Chelsea need is time. time. Joe never, 
you know, uh, knocks a player in the first season, right? You always give the player, the manager a year to settle yeah. in, right? And you have players like Werner and Havertz, who we've seen what they're capable of, who aren't doing that yet because they had no preseason, right? They have, what, 15 games of Premier League experience. What does bringing in this new manager actually do to help them? I don't, I don't think it does very much. And I think by appointing Tuchel, Chelsea have said, this guy will hopefully get you guys to settle in quicker and then we can finish in top three because we really want to be contending right now. I think if they finish in the top four this season, they have to accept that. I think being five yeah. points away, they kind of have to accept that. And to knock out someone from top four, they probably have to take Leicester's spot. If even, because Leicester are second at the moment. Yeah, it's tough, man. Like Liverpool look like they're in the biggest slump right now, but yeah. you'd still probably favor them to get to get at least top four. It's last season's champions, exactly, six, right? right? So, but Leicester are great right now anyway. City are really on the come up. And United, which is what I want to segue to next, are still top of the table 19 games in. Right. You just said you foresee if Chelsea are going to break the top four, it has to be for Leicester. Why, like, why Leicester? Tell me a little bit. How come not United and or, or City or, or Don't Liverpool? Don't get me wrong. I think United are due for a drop-off. I think we will lose some points eventually. And... I'm on record saying United probably will not win the league this season. I hope they prove me wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm on record saying that because you don't, you just don't know. We're getting lucky with injuries at the moment, and no one's getting COVID. So, and other clubs have, are struggling with that, and I think that's what has carried us through this momentum. Um, everyone else is being weakened. Same with, um, for example, Leicester don't have Jamie Vardy, and City lost both Aguero and, and Kevin De Bruyne. We thankfully, you know, knock on yep. wood, have been okay during this period. Um, mm-hmm. I think Vardy dropping out of Leicester is what is doing it for me. I think they're they're probably going to yeah, drop. And I that think makes sense. I really enjoy watching them play because even when he doesn't score, a couple of other people, you know, chip in. You know, you have um, Harvey Barnes, you've got uh, Madison always yeah, scoring bro. every now and then. But I think Vardy's movement allows them to do that. I think Vardy's movement allows Madison to come into the box late and pick up a, a chance or something like that. And I think right. if and, he's not scoring, and, and Vardy's we saw able it last to just season, get him a goal. Yeah, and if we saw right. it last season when Vardy wasn't in the team, they weren't doing so well, and that that's when they start to drop a little bit after COVID. Yeah. Um, so I think they will drop off, and I also think United will drop off, but not not as not as much to drop out of the top four. Right. Yeah, I see Leicester right now as uh, that's a really good point. I don't know how. I mean, Vardy will be a massive blow to them. It's a surgery, uh, so it's at least four to six for. weeks. Man, like, and that's devastating for them because Leicester, on paper, have a like not just on paper, but in actuality, right? Like on paper, you you wouldn't necessarily see the squad and be like, "Wow, these are destroyers." But it's a very nice little squad that that Brendan Rodgers has and is and Functions has assembled perfectly. Exactly, where it functions perfectly when it's fully fit, yeah. right? But Kalechi, and Kalechi's one of my own, right? Kalechi's my boy. I love Kalechi Hinacho, don't get me wrong. But he's not Vardy caliber, right? Like no. he's he's really, he's not as good as Jamie Vardy is. And if he was, he would probably already have grasped the torch and, and run with it from Vardy because he's, what, seven, eight years Which younger than him? shouldn't be discouraging. I mean, Jamie Vardy is one of the best strikers in the league. Like, And if right. he's not Jamie yeah. Vardy caliber, not a lot of players are in the league, so... No, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, most of the time, especially with teams, you know, and you know what, I feel comfortable actually putting Leicester in that breath, but saying of Leicester's caliber, because Leicester really are a top four side in the Premier League. They're, they're, they're a Champions League. I know they're playing in the Europa League, but they are good enough at their best 
to to be Champions League squads. That hell, they have City's number. They beat us every time they play us, right? Where right now, at least, um, let's see how the Vardy injury impacts them because I think Brendan Rodgers is has actually come along quite a bit as a manager. Yeah. Where he sets up game plans that that work most of the time against different oppositions, and he's built a team that hasn't been very expensive but has been very effective. And I admire that, quite frankly. Right? No, yeah, it's it's what so, Leicester are really good said, at doing. Absolutely. But Chelsea being ninth right now, right? That's the, the, the table's wonky because they're they could be four points off, four or five points out from top four, but they're still like six spots down, right? Yeah. So I, so it looks bad because they're in ninth right now, which is damn near mid-table, but they can't do any better than that. And and you know, I want to talk more about United in a second, but we were originally supposed to do a Juve rebuild today that we kind of pushed aside. Uh, we, we just pushed back a few weeks because when we started doing it, we were looking at the squad and thinking it's <laughs> there's there's not a whole lot of rebuilding that needs to happen here, right? Like every every squad could probably use a couple of transfers here and there, right? Like, you know, maybe you introduce a new fullback to uh, to Juve, right? Maybe you introduce some strength you know, in depth uh, or something like that. Yeah, you know, like some something that isn't center mid depth, right? But maybe it, something like that. But really you go across the team and you're like, it's pretty solid. I was <laughs> you know, they got really good center backs. So hard. Me too, man. I'm I was thinking, like, who can I upgrade like, here? <laughs> like these are very, very good players. And but you look at where they are in the table, and they're only just now pushing for in the top four, right? Like they've been, yeah. they have not lived up to where they should be, and that is because of of Pirlo, in my in my opinion. Now, given everything I said about Lampard, I think it's a little bit different the situation here, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're going to address this as new managers being introduced to big squads too soon is probably a little bit harmful to their careers, right? Pirlo had zero games as a manager prior to the start of this season, but Juve and Chelsea were not in the same starting place, right? Chelsea were coming off of a, of a massive spending window, trying to rebuild their squad and contend as quickly as possible. Juve were pushing for their 10th Serie A title in a row and trying to seriously win the Champions League this year, right? Right. And in their rebranding, which was, you know, acquire Ronaldo, um, sack Maurizio Sarri, right? Like, let's change the logo, right? Let's make Juve a global brand that is cool and, and fun to support. They got a cool manager, right? Andrea Pirlo, no one will doubt. One of manager will probably side. the coolest men on the planet, man. He's a stone cold SOP. He's got the hair. He's got the vineyards. The he's got beard. the glasses. He's got the beard, the shirt. He's he's just he's, he's a, a very cool guy. guy. He's very suave. And in his playing days, he was you know just a baller on the pitch too, right? Yeah. Like this guy's just you're gonna pull the strings. You're gonna know. I mean, he's one of the one of the guys who you're gonna remember. This guy's a freaking baller. However, it's not always that playing experience will translate to managerial success, right? And it's actually pretty hard for us to do a rebuild of Juve with, you know, this guy in charge, because really, I think there are a lot of managers out there, not just free agents, but if Juve really want to make a signing, it's go get a manager, right? It's not necessarily just appoint Pirlo. Right. Demote Pirlo to being a U23 type manager, right? Or let him go manage in the Serie B or, or wherever else to get some experience, because for all that he was as a player, he is clearly not very good at getting the most out of this squad, right? We've seen that. They're they're not anywhere near as successful as they could be. And when we were trying to make rebuilds, 
I'm picking their 11 and I'm thinking, oh man, like this 11 almost picks itself. You yeah. can have, you know, you can play three, four, one, two. That was going to be my formation, right? And the midfielders are going to be McKinney and, and, um, and Bentancur or whoever. And then you can have Dybala at the cam and Ronaldo and thing. And so many options. Backs. Like, you can do so many things. Yeah. The back three is already solid. The keeper solid. There's not a whole lot of rebuilding to do in that team. It really is just finding someone who can unlock them and make them better um, in, tactically because they're just so boring right now, right? Yeah. I don't know how many UV games you watch, but they're not exciting not at all. Because of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. So if Juve want to go out and make a point to win the Champions League, because that's why they started this rebrand, right? That's why they wanted to get Ronaldo. Right. It's like, well, where are the goals coming from? Are they just from Ronaldo? Because you're creating no chances, guys. Yeah, and that's the issue. I mean, Pirlo was supposed to be signed for the under-23s. He was supposed to take over the reserves yeah. and, and manage mm-hmm. them. And then <laughs> four days later, they announced him as the first team manager. And everyone's like, are you serious? Like, on what merit? <laughs> so Yeah, um, like, I, I, he literally finished up his managerial exams, like, a day before his first exactly. game in charge. Yeah. And which is unless, crazy. Unless you're some prodigy and they saw something in you that that was undeniable and they had to do it. It's not translating, man. And nope. even Pep Guardiola and Zinedine Zidane managed the reserves of their clubs before they took over, right? Yeah, and you learn from the best, right? You have to experience it's a big step up from the reserves to managing people like Cristiano Ronaldo, but at least it's something. We're talking about Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard did a year in the championship, which is one of the most competitive leagues out there. So it's it's really impossible to kind of give credit to, to Pirlo based on his playing days, but it, it's not, it wouldn't be fair to other managers to, to say that this guy should should be managing Juventus because of how he played for them and, and he knows the club inside out. Like we said this about Oli. Oli knows the club, but he's also managed a couple other clubs before he didn't. He had 300 games under his belt before he took over. And you can say what you want about Cardiff or about the, the Norwegian League, at least it's something. And right, yeah. So it's, I think the lack of experience is really showing with Pirlo at the moment. And and to be honest, if if they really want to get the best or even something. It doesn't have to be the best. If they want to get an average performance week in, week out from Juventus, that's probably good enough to finish second in Serie A with a squad like theirs. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like even AC Milan are on fire, but I still don't think Milan have... If Juve were clicking, as we've seen them, even last season where they really weren't yeah. anywhere near their best, right? I still think that team is probably better than the than, than AC Milan. I, you know, Absolutely. on paper is one thing, but in-game is another. Um but the point is there are solutions here that there are easier solutions. And sometimes sacking the manager isn't the solution, right? In the Chelsea case, I really don't think that is the best move. Yeah. But in the Juve case, it's a different scenario here, guys. And I really think like poor Pirlo, man, because you're going to now have almost like what happened with Thierry Henry, right? Yeah. Whereas like he went from the manager desk example, to man. Monaco and Monaco were terrible. No, they were and then in, he couldn't get any deep out of them. man. Like that was a big job yeah. for any manager, no matter how experienced they were. And, and to throw someone like Henri in there is that was tough. Right. They they fired him and brought back the manager who they had before him, right? Yeah. Which was um which was why am I forgetting his name? Joachim Lowe. No, it wasn't. It was um I that was just Leonardo gonna say Joachim Lowe. Like Leonardo Desjardins. That's exactly who it was. Yeah, I'm thinking, well, was it Joachim Lowe? Why am I forgetting this dude's name? I had it in my head when I was saying the yeah. sentence and then it we left. Flipped the initials. Right. But then uh, what happened to Henri, right? Go to MLS, get your experience there. Then you can come back, right? There's there's a blueprint of how world-class managers have come to be. And Pirlo, I think probably one day very well could be, right? Like 
even if he just uses this as nothing else but a learning experience, like, okay, I can't play four four two because it's too boring. I gotta find, I gotta add some dynamism, yeah. uh, some dynamism to the squad somehow, right? I'm gonna play four three three, whatever it is, figure it out, go away for now. Juve need to appoint a new manager. I don't know necessarily off the top of my head who the answer uh, yeah, to that is. One. Right? That's that's a that's a discussion for another day because that's a discussion for the rebuild. That's a discussion for yeah, the rebuild episode will be just one sentence. We'll, when we figure out the manager, <laughs> be like, all right, got it. Whatever happened to Marco Silva? Remember him? No idea. He's in charge of Watford and yeah. then Everton and then he got sacked. Listen, man, if you're in charge of Watford, that. that's kind of like the Bermuda Triangle for managers. They they get managers every three to four days. <laughs> so I don't think... No, it's true. But he was really good there. And then yeah. he got appointed as Everton manager where everyone was like, oh, dude, this is it. Like he's Podge 2.0. This guy's going to be sick. And then Everton were like really bad. And then he just got sacked and no one's ever yeah. heard from him since. Like... Go get him, Juve. Go get him. <laughs> see what uh, see what he's able to do. Because he's back Massimiliano Allegri. He did well with Juve. Yeah, he's not going to do well at any other on. club. Might as well. <laughs> Allegri's finished, bro. Allegri's done. We're going to be saying Allegri. It's going to be like 2026. We'll be doing this show. We'll be like, well, you know, Allegri's still available. You know what? I hope like, he's doing well. I've been well. retired for 10 years. I hope he's doing well because I don't know what's keeping him out of the <laughs> job at the moment. But I really hope he's he's okay. I, I hope his family's yeah, okay. I hope there's no reason like. That's keeping him out, like no personal situation. I think I hope it's just you know his ability as a manager, lack thereof. Um, but I hope he's okay. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> so Max, Max, if you're listening, we're sorry. We love you. We're sorry. I hope you're enjoying Praying retirement, you, man. <laughs> um, I want to segue back to the Premier League now because we just went on this little tangent about the managers, but I yeah. want to get back to um, United. Then we're going to get to Arsenal because Arsenal are funny, but. Um, <laughs> United right now are still top of the table. And for all the criticism that they've elicited and they have, you know, they've been deserving of a lot of it, I think. Uh, they won't care, right? Because as no. long as the, the wins keep coming. United have gone on this season, 19 games in. It's not over. Still lots of room to, to, to fall, to, to go up, whatever direction, you know, no things are still to, in, in to happen here. No, right? Like, there are some like there are instances where City or Liverpool in the past few years where you knew by Christmas they yeah. were twenty five points out like you knew that it was going to be done but especially this season that's really not you know the situation but United were slated to need a left back a center back a right mid and a six in order to really compete and yet here we are not really competing I won't say that but in a way more prosperous position than we ever could have imagined at this point. Why is that that you guys can keep can continue succeeding? Bruno Fernandez is the answer, obviously. But without a right mid, without a six, you know, your left back hasn't even been used, right? Yeah. Telus has only really been used to to motivate Shaw. And your center back partnership has been good enough, right? What's going on? Um, yeah, it's it's I'm enjoying it at the moment, man. Like I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm enjoying it. I'm not gonna add any pressure. I, you know, we have to win the title. We have to, you know, finish second at least. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just mm -hmm. enjoying it at the moment. I think a big thing this season has been the man management of some of the players. We were talking about how sour the relationship had gone with someone like Pogba, how sour the mm -hmm. relationship had gone with someone like Luke Shaw, and the man management of them to just get, get them playing. I don't care if Pogba's playing for a move. If he can continue to do this, um, to fill in in the games where Bruno maybe he's not having the best game and he's getting the results and then he leaves, that's fine. We've seen it happen with someone like Ronaldo, right? Like, stay here, give me one more year and then you can go. Um, 
so if that's the situation with Pogba, I don't mind that. Um, I think as long as he as his agent shuts up, I'm okay with it. Um, the man management <laughs> of Luke Shaw is pretty good. I think he's not setting the world alight, but this is the best I've seen out of Luke Shaw since he broke his leg. And I don't know yeah, if everyone listening. Bro. Yeah, I don't know if everyone listening knows my opinions of Luke Shaw. I really don't like him. I'm I'm not a big fan, but I have to give credit where it's due. Um, very opinionated about Luke Shaw. No, yes, and and I've said some some bad things about Luke Shaw in our in our messages, but I'm gonna leave that mm-hmm. off air at the moment because um, I don't want to repeat some of the language I used. Yep. Involved something. It's a family a friendly fat, show. Fat Logan Paul or something like that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I'm really not the biggest fan of Luke Shaw, but credit where it's due, he's done really well to just kind of keep his head down and and improve. He's not setting the world light. Mm-hmm. He's not top four left backs in the league but he's he's improving he's one-on-one I'm seeing him a little bit more solid um attacking wise I'm seeing him push a little bit more and linking up play where he was kind of lazy and not really doing anything much previously but the issue with me towards Luke Shaw still remains his positioning his positioning always separates the back four and, and always makes a shift to the left so we can cover him but this isn't, you know, the Luke Shaw analysis. This is just a quick thought about me, about him from me. Um, and I think we're now starting to see a little bit more of a, a winning mentality from United. It's, it's kind of brewing under the surface that this team knows how to win at the moment. And we've seen them go on runs of wins before and being undefeated. This is, I think, the third time since Ollie's been here that we've gone on a run like this. So that's why I'm saying we will drop points eventually. but if you look at how we've done this in the past, in our first run of being undefeated, we dropped massively. In our second run of being undefeated, we dropped, but not as not as badly. And it's just kind of failing, but failing better every single time. And that's right. that's how you get better in life. So a lot of this has also coincided with some injuries and, and issues that other teams have faced. And, you know, you mm-hmm. can only play against the teams that you're playing against. But it's your responsibility to make sure that you're picking up three points when they're, when everyone else isn't. So you kind of just have to focus right. on yourself and win your games um, and not really pay attention to the table at the moment because they can lie to you. Because, in fact, City would go top of the league if they played 19 games and if they won their 19th game of the season. So, Right, if they win against West Brom yeah, tomorrow. Exactly. So right. it's, it's just, I saw something against uh, Liverpool was it yesterday? Yeah, I saw something against Liverpool yesterday where we conceded against Liverpool and, and previously when we'd done that, everyone just dropped their heads and they didn't know what to do. How are we going to score? And seeing that this is a kind of a weakened Liverpool team, they they did have a centre-back playing, but it was a 19-year-old centre-back, but that's no excuse. We had a 19-year-old forward playing against him. It's not that big of an excuse, right? And, and we mm-hmm. rotated as well. We didn't start Bruno Fernandes. And even without Bruno Fernandes, we were able to look pretty good. You know, the, the quality drop-off between Bruno and Van de Beek isn't, is certainly not as big as between Bruno and Andreas Pereira. So, <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's monumental. Oh, no, yeah. Um, Cataclysmic, I think is the word you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. Luke Shaw kind of has that James Harden body, right? Where one day he can just look so overweight and then the next day you're like, wait, where did you, did you lose 40 the pounds since yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> right? Where it's Rooney, like, dude, where did all that weight go? And Hazard, so. Yeah, we see. I, I still think Tellez is an improvement of him, but Tellez just has to wait and pounce on the first chance he gets. Yeah, um, I, I can kind of see, you know, 
that element of it. Like I see United kind of embracing this, you know, we'll just take it day by day, game by game. And and where other teams are dropping points, we'll just do our best not to, but we're, we're not going to set, you know, the pressure, the expectations too high. And I think that's probably a sensible strategy for them. Yeah. Um, I still don't think like it's been some time since we've actually just dissected what's going on there, but I don't think any of us would have imagined in, you know, the summer, Hey, these guys are actually going to be finishing or, you know, 19 games in are going to be in first place without getting Sancho or a six, uh, you know, you're like, well, or a sensor, but like how, like how, well, we did get a left back. Never mind. You get to get left back, but it's like, how much improvement can the squad actually, how good can, can they be? Um, and what you have to, and this is going to be my segue, what they owe it to is one of the best number tens in the world, right? Yeah. Which is Bruno. Now Arsenal have needed a number 10 for quite some time. And if you look at the impact, now Bruno Fernandes is a world-class player, yeah. right? If you look at the difference between United with and without Bruno over 20 games, right? Mm-hmm. Like it during an actual season, not, not in a one-off game necessarily, but, but overall. And it's, it's, it's monumental, right? Like he has contributed more than half the team's goal since its arrival. He's proven how good he is. I've been like, involved he's, he's in more goals right? than anyone else in the league since his debut. Like that's, <laughs> that's right. all you have to say. So, and he's playing in, in a four, two, three, one, right? Yeah. Like he's playing as the 10, he's leading the squad. He's providing the goals. He's scoring the penalties. He's getting the assists. He's, he's, he's responsible for a lot of the team's really goals. good long range penalty but, from outside the box yesterday as well. That was insane. Right. No kidding. Yeah. Your friend <laughs> actually tell me a little bit about that before we even move on to Arsenal, but your friend was saying a little bit about uh, how game winning free kicks aren't important. No, I think, I, I don't know how, but we've seen it online recently that, um, so, well, since Pep Guardiola, uh, no, since uh, Jurgen Klopp came out and said Bruno scores a lot of penalties, uh, a lot of the fans online said that he couldn't do it against big clubs. He can only do it when he gets a penalty, which mm. certainly isn't true because he's only scored six penalties this season and he's got, I don't know, 15 goals in all competitions. So right. definitely not true. Um, and he just scores a long-range penalty from outside the box against a top six side. And I so how did that. that go? Like your friend told you, just tell the inform the listeners. He was saying, "Oh yeah, well if you take away the game-winning free kick, he didn't do anything." Yeah, um, basically the slander that uh, Bruno's getting at the moment is that he misses a lot of passes and he doesn't complete a lot of passes. But I've never seen anyone, you know, hold a number nine or a number ten or a false nine to pass accuracy the two players that lose the ball most in the world of football are Lionel Messi and Kevin De Bruyne and those are hell of footballers okay <laughs> yeah they, exactly. you don't you don't you don't they're pretty good exactly you don't pretty judge good. them based on pass completion and how many times they've lost possession now if Paul Pogba is losing possession as many times as Bruno is that's a concern because he's farther back right. and then counterattacks can happen because of that but if Bruno's trying mm-hmm. to and he's getting way less touches exactly Bruno's getting all for the, and for, listen, for if the, you want a safe playing number 10, you can bring back Andreas Pereira, you can bring back Jesse Lingard, because that's the situation we are in. This safe playing, playing is the nicest way I've ever heard you say crap uh, yeah. in the world. I meant in right? terms of if you want a high pass completion number 10, you might as well bring right. him back, because th- the reason he's losing a lot of the balls is because he's trying to split defenses, and that's the most difficult mm-hmm. thing you can do as a number 10. But you need someone to try and do that, because if you tried five times, they're going to get it once, and then you're throwing goal. Right. And Arsenal haven't had this in quite some time. And yeah. and we were on this very show talking about, you know, potential tens to step into this team, right? We discussed 
uh, Emmy Buendia was the big name that we landed on, right? And credit to you, because you were you pitched Buendia to Barcelona yeah, during their rebuild, which was quite some time ago, because he's quite frankly just a class player who plays in the championship. He's prem that you can get cheap. for what seven million pounds, right? Like it would be even if it's fifteen. Like yeah. who cares? It's still going to be cheap as hell. And so this was a sensible. And he's in his prime, right? So you right. could actually have him for a few years too, right? All the all the options, and they got Ozil off the books. They are bringing in a 10. Who should it be? We said this guy, because this guy, we know for a fact. He also knows the league. The right. And they, what, what people said was, oh, well, Arsenal, they still hold this idea in their head that Arsenal are better than they are, which despite the fact that they haven't succeeded in, in years, it's like, no, we're going to have, you know, we, we need, we need these players. We need, you know, this, this upper echelon type of player and a player playing from the, in the championship just isn't going to do it for us. Okay. So who are you going to get? Well, we can go get Julian Brent. Okay, that has a lot more risk Yikes. than reward, in my opinion, right? Like, Julian Brandt's a class player. Don't get me wrong. But you're going to get a younger player who is not league-proven with higher expectations to play in a new system, in a new league. Like, there's a lot of risk here, right? Yeah. Instead, who did they settle on? They went out and got Martin Odegaard on loan from Real Madrid in a deal that will really make all parties happy, right? Arsenal are still global enough that Odegaard playing there gives Real Madrid the exposure that they would like to have, right? Yeah. Odegaard gets to go play for a team that isn't, um, they're bad, don't get me wrong, but they're still a notable side, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, you're going to play for Arsenal, you're going to be there 10. Uh, they're still revered as one of the big six in the league, despite the fact that they're in 11th. They're, they're <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they're, they're really far down, but they're still revered in that same breath as, as one, of the, one of the big teams uh, in the Premier League. Yeah. Right, and Arsenal will be glad because they're getting a prestigious young, un, like unreal player, quite frankly, who just had the season of his life at Sociedad, taking him from Real Madrid. Uh, you're just getting him on loan, so you don't have to buy him. You know, win, win, win. Right. However, will this be a win in actuality? Well, let's talk about that. I rate Martin Odegaard ever since you and I were in grade ten, and he made his debut and got signed to Real Madrid. Man, that's a right? long time Which ago, man. Like a thousand years ago, right? Jesus. He's still so young, but it was literally like seven years ago. Yeah, This dude was like 15, making 80K a week. And I remember as all of us in science class, like, how's this dude 16 years old getting paid 80K a week to play here, <laughs> getting recruited by Ramos and Ronaldo? It's just insane. And after the season of his life at Real Madrid, at, uh, at Real Sociedad, Madrid said, you know what? This is the perfect time to introduce a little bit of youth, some creativity into our midfield. Yep. And for whatever reason, he hasn't really been able to break into the Real Madrid's uh, side. So... Real Madrid send away yet another young player, this one on loan, to go get some experience elsewhere. I think Madrid will probably be happier than Arsenal will because I don't know for as good as Odegaard is. I don't know if he just walks into this 11 and is immediately successful. The thing, I think he walks into the 11. I just don't know if he's immediately yeah. successful. Um, right. Yeah. We've That's seen what, what I mean. a difference an actual number 10 who can play number 10 does to their team and someone like Emil Smith-Rowe. And I think they've been so deprived of a number 10 that, you know, he looks much better than he actually is. And this, don't worry, right. don't, I'm not rocking Emil Smith or knocking him. Um, I think he's a good player. I think he probably needs to go on alone somewhere and get some more game time. But we've seen what a number 10 can, can do. And then they've hit some good form when they're playing with an actual number 10 rather than trying to fill a winger or a striker in that position. So mm-hmm. he, he will improve them. I just don't know how much arsenaling they're going to do to ruin their season That's again. It, man. 
So they may have a false dawn and then drop back down. Uh, it, like you, it's really difficult to tell because we haven't seen much of Odegaard either. He's played on I average. Know, like, and that's what he's played 230 minutes in in La Liga this season. So he's basically been a substitute for uh, you know a few games, a couple of games. And that's it. Yeah. So we don't really know what his impact is going to be at Arsenal, and I guess we just have to wait and see them. Kind of what makes him more interesting and exciting. Right. Now, this is what I was saying, like about the risk factors of Julian yeah. Brands. I think they're the same with Martin Odegaard, right? It's the new player, the new league, the new system, right? The higher expectations because he's known, like he's a name, right? Martin Odegaard is a class player and Arsenal will expect him to do. And I'm not saying he's not going to succeed at Arsenal. Don't get me wrong. But I just don't, I, I don't, it's not, it doesn't have an option to buy this loan, no. right? I'm sure that Real Madrid are going to want to call him back and, and have him play Especially for them next season. Well. Right. So why are Arsenal so hesitant to go out and get the 10 that we know checks all the boxes, literally in terms of less pressure, knows the league, uh, older, more experienced, cheaper, all these things <laughs> that, that are why Buendia work. They're like, nah, I want to go get Odegaard on loan. I, I guess the question for you is, who would you rather have signed if you were an Arsenal fan? And beyond this season what do you think happens with Odegaard do you think he he re-ops with Arsenal like is he now going to join their squad full-time or is he going to have a unreal season or a terrible season what do you think you know how how much I like Emi Buendia and before we signed Van de Beek I wanted I actually wanted United to go out and sign him I thought it was such an obvious solution um to the drop-off in quality yes we have Bruno but Mm -hmm. what if he's injured well Buendia can come in and it's a good option to have so much so that even Put him in for the for the Barcelona rebuild. I like this player right. a lot, obviously. Um, no I would have definitely rather signed Buendia. But even if that wasn't an option, I would have figured something else out um, within the league. I think there are some good players in the league and in lower teams that, that you can get. The problem with the league in this moment is clubs don't have to sell because everyone's loaded. Everyone's walking around with the same kind of cash. <laughs> right. That they get from the broadcasting deal. But... You know who doesn't have that? The championship, where it is Amy Buendia play. Say it with me. The championship. The championship. <laughs> so it's yep. another solution. You look at someone like Saeed Benrama that, that went to West Ham from Brentford. That was also mm-hmm. an option for a creative player that they might be lacking because they are lacking creativity. Yes, he's not necessarily number 10, but could have been a good option. Um, and we've seen yep. some good players uh, adapt to the Premier League well, a.k.a. Jack Grealish. So... Um, yeah. I really don't understand this, but again, as so often we we do on on this show, if you're thinking logically, it makes perfect sense. But a lot of these teams don't think logically, and that's and that's kind of where we're at at the moment. Yep, we're just out here thinking it's so simple, and and apparently it isn't. Uh, maybe it has to do with the the loan fee or Norwich being. You know, even I have a tough time believing that it's because Norwich wanted to hang on to him because I'm pretty sure clubs in the championship need. They need you know, the money, financing. Man. They need right? fans so if way you more than people in, with, in the Premier League do. Right. Just because, yeah, their broadcast deal is, is way, way cheaper. Um, I just think that would... But maybe Arsenal has no money, right? Maybe they're they're just flat broke and they don't even have 15 mil to go get them. Come on. I'm, I don't believe that I someone in the Premier League try. is broke, to be honest. You got to try to find reasons. Yeah, they also no took Barcelona out a loan of broken. 150 million pounds. That's true. Maybe it's just to pay off the rest of uh, of Ozil's wages. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, anyway, I want to end the show on on this about a little bit of FIFA experience. Yeah, tell me about it. Are you enjoying it? So far, right? A lot of people are raging yeah. online about FIFA 21. I want to hear from you. Yeah, so I've only had really two days experience, right? I played yesterday on my birthday uh, and I played today and I've been playing and I've, I've done okay so far, right? Like I, I got some, you know, good players and really my squad, I'll read it to you right now. This is not a bad starter squad that I've assembled here. Go for it. Okay. I've got, uh, <clears throat> so I'm playing in a, and you know, it's fun. Cause this is, this is probably the best part of FIFA is that this is what makes it, especially on episodes like rebuild episodes that make it so fun. Cause you just look at it with the same eyes of FIFA and say, dude, this is a sick squad that I've just built yeah. at any other team, go build this team and you will, you will have success. <laughs> right. So the squad I'm using, um, I've put it in a three, four, one, two. Interesting. Okay. And I like three, four, one, two. Okay. The, like this, the, I, you know, this like Pep Third will never time you play mentioned this. It this episode. I think we, we got that. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I talk about them. I talk about it quite a bit because it actually works it were, maybe it is just a FIFA formation, right? Like it's right. hard in actuality. I mean, the Serie A was predicated on this for for a little while, and and Pirlo tried to do something like this. You need the right players. Frankly, his eleven, off. yeah, his eleven would actually work in this. But yeah, you're right. You do need you need very very good center backs and composed uh, central midfielders, a very dynamic cam, fast wingers, um, and clinical strikers, right? So there are boxes to check, but but your boy's done it. Yeah. <laughs> I figured it out. I've got a starter squad right here. Lit on us. So. I'll just tell you the the most important one. So, in I don't even know my keeper's name to be honest, <laughs> because this was just somebody who I just happened to pack like uh, in in one of my starter ones. He's just an untradeable keeper. He's from Hoffenheim. Oh uh, my Hoffenheim. boys, you mean? Yeah, your boys keeper. My What's boys? your boys keeper? I know you're a big Hoffenheim guy. Um, my keeper's name is. Let me just get it off the top of my yeah. head. It is. Please do. Oliver Bauman. Boom, Bauman. Mr. Bauman has been uh, pretty good in, in between the sticks. He's been all right so far, right? Like, uh, it, it he hasn't been tested very much because I'm I'm just of the the difficulty levels that I've chosen to play with. Yep. <laughs> so what had happened was you remember this back in the day, like the Fifas that I had were all on PS3, right? So the last Fifa that I played regularly was FIFA 16. 16 yeah. Right regularly now i play it sporadically even since in years past just to have fun career modes and stuff i download the updates and all that and then i would play when i went to alex's house but in terms of actual now that being said i was still a diehard fifa fan just not being able to play it i still knew everyone's in-game stats i knew the team of the week every every week i knew what chem styles to best get everybody uh i remember being at my friend jared's house one time after school right at at, uh, downtown at ryerson and I was telling him, yo, okay, go in career mode. You got to sign this guy, this guy, this guy. In three years, he's going to be sick. You got to get this guy in this position. And play. So I just love this, this tactical in-game. I love knowing stats yeah. for FIFA players. It's fun to me, right? And so my back three, Lucas Hernandez, uh, Upamecano, and Klosterman are my back three, okay? Pretty good okay. center backs. Yeah. Very good for One FIFA, of them is much okay? better than the others. Right. Well, Hernandez is is the highest overall, but he's very he's a good left sided center back yeah. in a back three, not in a back Makes two, sense. right? But in a back three, it, he works perfectly. Upamecano's rock solid right in the middle, and then Klosterman, right footed center back uh, on the right side of a back three, very very fast, super OP in FIFA. Then in front of them, my two CDMs, Emre Chan and uh, and Dennis Zakaria. Okay, like it. 
Filthy. Nice. Filthy, bro. It's it's perfect. Now, this is obviously, in case you can't tell, it's a Bundesliga squad, right? Uh, because them German players are cheap in the game, and they're really good. <laughs> People just want to play with Premier League players, but, like, no one can – I can't – who can go out and get De Bruyne in this game, right? No, no one. Nobody. Come on. So, these are very much my style players, right? They're they're defensive. They're composed. They can tackle. They yep. can pass. They can search forward when I need them to. Uh, it's perfect. Julian Brandt is my cam. Okay, and he was awesome. just another one who I got in one of the Arsenal. Yeah, <laughs> for all the for all the knock. Now, if he plays like I play with him in FIFA, dude, Arsenal <laughs> should sign him. Best cam of all time. He's freaking awesome. Because um, what I've done with him was when I started playing, I had to I had to test my abilities. I used to play on like world class when I played, like not playing online, but just in terms of actual against CPU. Because I'm not going to go play online with bronze players, right? Right. You got to build a squad first. Um, <laughs> and so I I started off on. Um, just beginner, right? I was like, let me see. Let me see where I'm at. And I won 17 nothing. I was like, okay, <laughs> too easy. Beginner, I'm, I'm not a beginner. So I went I went amateur. I was like, okay, where am I in amateur? And uh, and I won 13 nothing. And I'm like, okay. This You're like very the women's again. national team for the U.S. in the yeah, World Cup. Against, uh, that was actually funny because that was a bit of commentary in the game. Uh, the, the keeper's like, oh, I think they've got a safe lead now. And it was 13 nothing. And I just <laughs> remember back to Gary Lineker's tweet when the U.S. scored their 13th goal yeah. against, I think it was Thailand, <laughs> just saying, okay, I think they're, I think they're good now. 13, yeah. ought, 13 ought to do it. Uh, and then I went to semi-pro, and I won like 10 nothing, and then I went to professional, and I won like 4 nothing, and I'm oh like, okay, God. I'm still about here. Yeah. So I was still so now I'm just playing a professional because it's like, okay, let me while I figure this out, I can actually have somewhat competitive games, uh, and then I'm going to go play online. But as you can probably figure out throughout this episode, not the listeners, but you specifically, because I will have done edits, uh, my Wi-Fi sucks. <laughs> so just trying to play online. If you play with lag, you might as well not play. All right. Yeah. So I got my, so just back to my squad, my width pace, very, very important in FIFA, uh, Bella Robbie and, uh, Douglas Costa as my, nice. as my, as my wingers. left and right midfielders, because they're not wingers. They're a little bit further right. back but they're fast. They can search forward. I don't need them to tackle because I have five tackling monsters. I just need them going forward um, with their speed and their crossing. And then up top, Huang Chi Wan, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Apologies <laughs> for, for Asian listeners. South Korean listeners. Yeah. Uh, he is a, he's a beast in FIFA. Okay. Yeah. Anybody who's fast in FIFA, immediately a beast, right? And he is, uh, he's already scored like, he scored like 10 goals in a game once. Hey, man, it's I remember easy, tearing right? the world about with Gervinho on FIFA 14. So you don't have to right, tell me. Exactly. Christian Benteke was the best player, better than Ronaldo in FIFA 14, yep. right? It's just, you have to just know what works in the game. So. <clears throat> and he does. Yeah. And anybody listening who's probably had this game longer than I have it because I've had it for one day and it came out in what, October, will already have insane OP squads. I don't have that. I'm on day two. And the squad is rounded out by none other than Erling Holland. Absolutely. Of course. That was the first time on the team she was. Why else? It was the first guy who I bought. I was like, okay, yep. I need to save up some money and go buy this guy. Uh, and I did. So that's my 11. A bit harsh on Danny Ings after the eight-goal performance he put in for you. Danny Ings is a world-class striker in this team too. Uh, and he's in my alternate team. <laughs> <laughs> so my backup team that I'll use that has Danny Ings, it has... Uh, who Who is the other striker for it? Because I have no idea. I couldn't see it. You didn't tell me. Oh. I forget, man. It was Julian Brandt. It was Thomas Lamar. Okay. Thomas Lamar. Yeah, is who I was using at striker. He's not a striker, no, but I was not. using him at striker. 
Him, Danny Ings. I had Ashraf Hakimi, who I packed as well. Beast. Beast. What a, what an 11. Did I, I tell you my friend <laughs> packed a team. a team of the season, Cristiano Ronaldo? Yeah, I did. And I hate your friend because <laughs> he sucks. That's that's stupid. <laughs> also, what the, we were talking about this a little bit just before we wrap up here about, you know, the team of the year pack. There's no there's no reason for Bruno for Bruno to for Bruno, Bruno. <laughs> for Bruno Bruno Fernandez to be rated higher than De Bruyne and, and Kimmich, <clears throat> right? Agree. Come on, I agree. Tell me, talk Listen, to me a little bit about Bruno this, Fernandez is is the savior of this team. I absolutely love him to death. I told I told my girlfriend Daria, shout out, uh, we love this guy. That you better remember his name. So he's the next jersey that I'm buying. But at the moment, he's not better than Kimmich or De Bruyne. And that's no. not a slate on him no, either. No, it isn't. Like, if you have the three best midfielders in the world right now and you want to put Bruno in there, I wouldn't – I don't even think I'd argue with you, right? Like, mm-hmm. you could – I'm sure some people would say, oh, no, Thiago's better, but he just plays different. He's in the conversation for top five, which yeah, is a hell of a conversation that, right? to be in after 18 months. Yeah, but what you cannot well, have yeah. is somebody is, – is tell somebody, yeah, well, listen, um, De Bruyne and Kimmich aren't the two best midfielders in the world. Come Do you know what's crazy? Man. Yes, they are. You know what's crazy? This is this is our opinion of Bruno now. He hadn't even signed this time last year. That's what's insane really? to me. No, he played his first game on February first. Um, I think twenty twenty something. So we're getting there. Like a few days from mm. now, last year, he would have been signed, and he played his first right. first game February first. So, like th- against Wolves, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I remember. The- so we're literally telling. Um, saying that he's in the top five best midfielders in the uh, in the world at the moment that's not something to slander him with he's he's been here for less than you know less than 365 days so that that's okay yeah i think i think what a lot of the times what we revere as as quality is just output because uh yeah. many many people have said this especially kj which is i'll never forget it the hardest thing to do in this game is to score right so when you have somebody who does it more than anybody that's a testament to, to what they well, do, yeah. right? So for him to have this kind of output in a squad, both in terms of, of goals, uh, assists, really anything contributing to a goal, you have to be in that conversation. And that's not a slight on, on, on you know, on, on defensive type midfielders, on, you know, like holding midfielders. Like I would still say Kimmich is better and Kimmich isn't that guy, yeah. right? Kimmich's just a, different. a beast, Completely right? He's just different. a monster, right? Completely different. But if we are looking at, and I'm sure EA does, and they say output has to be the most important thing. Well, yep, makes sense for Bruno <laughs> to be in it, right? Yeah, fair enough. And it makes sense for for Messi to not be, despite you know how many goals. Despite like forty-something goals and assists. Yeah, just domestically last year, though. Like, just the forty-five <laughs> goal involvements last year. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Messi. Just the thirty-five goals in the, in the year. Messi Leo, we're title. used to ninety-one from you. Come on, man, you're slipping. Yeah, bro, you're clearly a third of a player that you once were, <laughs> and uh, your whole Barca situation is is just it's it's uh, gumming up the works here. We can't have it. Yeah. No more of that. Anyway, I think that's got to do it for this week's episode of the Jersey Wall Podcast, episode number seventy-two. Insane, brethren. Seventy-two episodes is incredible. Um, what do you think we should call this one, man? This was just kind of like what's going on in the world, right? Uh, maybe the Jersey Wall podcast light edition. <laughs> just because, you know, it's a little bit shorter than the other ones. Not too heavy of a topic going on. So 
just the light edition. yeah just free flowing just call it just like we'll just make it this simple yeah. you know that emoji the 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 gabriel for those of you listening it's the, the it's the picking up the, the phone signal yeah the the ronaldinho yeah the surfer dude exactly we'll just make it that because that's all it was man it was just djw number 72 cowabunga dude cowabunga then, dude yeah, i like it yeah sounds good <laughs> to me man <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed uh, episode number 72 of the Jersey Wall podcast. As always, we really, really appreciate you being with us and joining us. Um, be sure to share the show with your friends if you liked it. Tell us why you liked it. Be sure to leave us a comment, a rating, a review. Find the Jersey Wall podcast on Instagram at TJW Podcast. You can find me at the Nathan Santos, uh, Mina at Mina.Gully98. Mina, thank you again for being here. Thank you for having me as always. Pleasure. And I'll see you again next week. Hopefully next week we can do, uh, we got we got some surprises in store. Yeah. I think, we'll, I we think you're going to like the episode now. for next week. No, but it's going to be a very, very fun one. Ooh, I can't wait. Probably more fun <laughs> than, than we've had in a while. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, anybody, take care, everybody. Love you. Bye.